not appropriate to wear your hat in church. It's certainly not appropriate to read scripture, so you're going to have to deal with this. <laughs> Today's reading is John chapter 21, verses 15 to 22. We found on page 1002 of the Bible's next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's Word. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're going a little low tech today, so I'll have to uh, use my teacher voice. Hopefully, you're not talking while I'm talking. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll have to give you an attention or something. Yeah, right. Um, pray with me. Our generous God. We thank you for your grace. And you are not stingy with the amount of grace, forgiveness, and mercy. You look past how much we think we deserve and give us more. Sometimes, though, I think you are not close. But if I just open my eyes, I can see that you were there all along. Open eyes. Consume doubts. Give me reprieve and rest. Amen. The graduation season is over, thank God. It was about six weeks ago that thousands of graduate students, college students, high school students, eighth graders, fifth graders, and kindergartners all participated in similar ceremonies. They all waited for their names to be called and walked across the stage and looked forward to the next phase in life. But probably kindergartners were thinking, I didn't go during that time. I remember that moment when I graduated, when I, was, um, when I graduated from high school 11 years ago. I remember the thought that I had when I was waiting for them to call my name, the complete single-minded thought of, don't trip, they're all watching. I also remember the feeling that filled the auditorium as my peers and I waited. In a few short minutes, we will throw off the shackles of primary school and become adults, 18 years old, 17 years old wanting to become an adult. And now, after 12 years, we finally get to make our own choices. 
Looking back, that seems a bit absurd. An 18-year-old, 17-year-old wanting to be an adult, and little did I know what that had in store. And perhaps you, you, remember, you remember that too. Maybe you resonate more with your college graduation. High school was so over, but you were looking forward um, to starting your first full-time job. Or maybe if you graduated recently, you're like, full-time job, what is that? <laughs> maybe you're dreading what came next. The itch that was present in high school became somewhat of a sense of, of dread. The anticipation in high school, the dread in college. And I wonder if these escapisms and realisms um, really ever lead. The pendulum, pendulum swings back and forth, and the cycle always pushes us forward. We are on a constant march towards growing up, and it's scary. But it happens every once in a while. And when it does happen, you do an adult thing, you think, man, I think I'm an adult. I don't know if you know this, but there's a, a word that describes that moment, that action. It is adulting. It's a verb. It means to do, to do grown-up things and hold responsibilities, such as a 95 job, a mortgage, or rent, a car payment, or something else that makes one think, think of being a grown-up. Here's a sample sentence for you. Dan is adulting quite well today, as he is on time for work promptly at 8 a.m. and appears, appears well-groomed. <laughs> We constantly try to navigate what that means in, in transitioning from a childhood to adulthood. And if I'm honest, I don't think I'm there very often. I've played a lot of Pokemon Go recently. I'm not there very often. Um, and maybe you're trying to escape too. But our, cold permeate, our culture permeates with this argument that we need to grow up. Almost immediately as students, uh, when they're in high school, the pressure builds for them to, to look towards college. And when they're in college, the pressure tightens to find a job afterwards. And then is the pressure of student loans, graduate degrees, marriage, and kids, a mortgage, retirement, savings, life insurance, caskets, and the list goes on and on and on until it stops dead. <laughs> but at the core of this escapism, at least for me, is the self-doubt of knowing that this place does not understand me, that I don't know what I'm doing. And the common refrain we tell ourselves, especially in high school, is, it's just high school. Or maybe we think of it in terms of phases, if I can just get past this phase. And we scramble to do the things necessary to get, past, to get out of that phase. And for so long, we've been told to act your age, don't be childish, pay your bills, do you know where your kids are, and grow up. But for most of us, we're obviously not in high school, and the feelings are still the same. The solutions are seemingly simple. Take stock of yourself. Move forward. Progress. Push through. Grow up. And this brief story is perhaps about growing up. That up until this moment, Peter's story revolves around doing the wrong thing. Saying the wrong thing. When Jesus was about to be arrested, Peter rashly tried to defend him. And Jesus rebuked him. Before that, Jesus tries to tell his disciples about his own death. And Peter says, yeah, right, over my dead body. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And when Jesus was arrested, Peter was confronted about his ties to Jesus. And Peter denied knowing his friend, teacher, and mentor. Three times he said, I don't know him. Peter's story summarizes the frustration of never getting it right. 
which is why I like him. But he does frustrate. And when Jesus was resurrected, Peter was around. But I can, I can imagine that in the back of his mind, permeating and biting at him, was that moment replaying all over again. I don't know this Jesus. And now, in this story, Peter has to pay the price. He has to grow up. And growing up means, of course, knowing how the world operates. Violence should be met with violence. Rejection should be met with rejection. Blood with blood. If you act childish, you need to grow up. You need to become an adult. Our expectation entering into this story is for Jesus to lay into Peter. For him, we want him to list all the things that Peter did wrong. And of course, it's, it's human nature to struggle against the authority above itself. You have struggled. I have too. But the great lie shared between adults is that they have it figured out. That they have the moral high ground, the soapbox, the muscles to strong arm themselves into something difficult. One of the saddest books I've ever read was a children's series written by Lemony Snicket. In a, series of in, a, in a series of unfortunate events, three orphans are charged with the obligation of growing up. Their parents die and the orphans are left with adults that constantly fail. But their failure is deeper than that. Every adult in this story fails at being a good parent, guardian, caregiver. They are deeply afraid of the unknown, the powerful, the unscrupulous. For 13 books, these orphans are left with abandonment and disappointment. And what's worse is there is no happy ending. We want Peter to grow up, but if this is how the world suggests, what the world suggests about adulthood, do we really want it? If we are really pressured into growing up in this way, is that what we want? A word of advice for you. Do not grow up. There are too many adults in this world. There are too many adults in this world that cannot overcome challenges. Too many adults in this world that cannot change. Too many adults in this world that cannot withstand the everyday normal life. In a commencement address David Foster Wallace gave in the late 90s, he argued that there are too many adults that are deluded into thinking they are the center of the universe, the end-all and be-all, the most important person in existence. You are told to grow up. But what are you told to grow up into? Taller people that look and speak and work and love that are really just children? If this is where we find ourselves, in a childhood of growing up too hastily, in adulthood of growing up premature, there has to be a better way. And Peter is led through three questions. Do you love me? Yes. And Jesus tells Peter that now he has to act. Lead. Feed the sheep. Take care of the flock. Be the person you could not be before. On the surface, it seems like Peter, Jesus is telling Peter to grow up. But it, and it's clear from Peter's story that it's, it's really impossible to muscle your way through it. And oftentimes, we are left disappointed in our own shortcomings. Or even more often, our ears are tuned and our eyes are focused in the shortcomings of someone else. But being told to grow up are the wrong two words. You know, the Christian life is about repetition. Practicing over and over again. Being reminded of where we have come from 
and where we are going. We train ourselves to learn the foundations, not to prove um, to other people what we know, but to allow the credibility of the gospel to take root. And the gospel is not about growing up. It is about growing out. It's always tempting to stand before you and to preach and proselytize about how great the Christian life will be and how easy you will have it, but it, I, I would be dishonest because it's just not true. But here is the fruit of the tree you should be rooted to. You will fail. It's going to happen. But what matters is the ability and the wherewithal to pick yourself up again and go at it once again. In educational circles, this is called grit. In philosophy, this is virtue. But it's the sandpaper you use to polish yourself from rock to stone. The ability to persevere despite failures, unclear directions, and unnamed goals. Where are you planting your roots? Where do you fall back on when you fail, when life gets difficult, when life gets boring, when you have to wake up every day at 6.45 to go to work at 8 o'clock in the morning, when you have to work late to make extra money just to pay the bills, when you think about finding a new job, when you think about, um, when you think about the struggle of buying a house, when you realize you're becoming just like your parents, when your friends fail you. Where do you fall back on when you're standing in line at Costco and the family in front of you has two carts of bulk food and three kids are jumping on each other? And one begins to yell and scream because the mom has picked the wrong kind of ice cream. And you know that ice cream is the last thing this kid needs. Where do you fall back on when you see this kid and the dad is looking at his phone because he can't be bothered with the trivialities of this mundane world? Where do you fall back on when you realize you are becoming one of those parents? Where are you planted? Where are you growing out? Like a tree. The worst times are the ones that grow with shallow roots. Perhaps that is the pace of our own little world that causes us to react in this way. Growing out means changing your pace. For so long, we think that if we do a little bit more and do the right thing, we will arrive. You itch and scratch an anxiety to grow up. Or, you think religiously that if you believe just the right things, you'll make it. Or politically, if you just vote the right way, you'll make it. Or if you commit to the right diet, the right parenting practice, the right cause, whatever. Look at your roots. Look at where you are planted. If you are looking for a comeuppance today, you are looking in the wrong place. It's not going to happen. We expect Peter to fail because the story is centered on failure. What we get instead is Jesus changing your expectations into a new reality. Jesus has to be up to something. He engages Peter in three questions about love, and Peter seems to be anxious about his reinstatement into the group, his relationship with Jesus, but Jesus is anxious about something else. He engages in the tension of what Peter expects, what we expect, and he cuts through in a different way. This, my friends, is characteristic of the gospel. When you fall short, Jesus will replant you. Do not grow up. Grow out. Do you love me? Jesus asks Peter. And Peter replies. And Jesus tells him he is going to die. Just 
like that. But the lie that we believe is that we are already polished, that we have it figured out. But ironically, once we realize we know nothing, then we are open to finally learning something. That's the gospel. Be planted, be honest, be open. What are you growing into? There are going to be moments when you look inside yourselves and question. Do not be afraid of the question. And certainly, do not be afraid of the answer. Instead, pivot and posture yourself to allow the gospel to change you. Be open to the possibility that you are being drawn to the well of living water. I think the best image that describes this comes from C.S. Lewis's children's series, The Chronicles of Narnia. In the voyage of the Dawn Treader, a boy, Eustace Scrub, an awful name, Eustace Scrub, is rotten to the core, and he finds himself in a life with comfort and treasure, but then he turns into a dragon. This is an outward manifestation of his inward brokenness. The physical pain of the boy is represented by his incessant itch. He is cut off from his own humanity and overwhelmed with pain. He weeps and itches to shed his skin like a snake. But the fear and pain of the boy's situation is outweighed by Aslan's ability to help him. This lion guides this dragon to a well in a garden on a mountain. But the boy must shed his skin before he drinks from the water. He itches and claws away. And one layer leads to another nasty, scaly layer underneath. And in all this fierceness, Aslan offers his help. Let me take off your skin. And the lion's claws dig deep in the flesh of the dragon. Strip his skin down to the pinky, to the, to the fleshy, oh, pinky, fleshy pink human skin underneath. And this is my favorite part. The boy swims and drinks from the well. I've never swam in a body of water where I can stop and drink the water. You do it on accident in the ocean, and then you take the salt and you'll throw up. If you do it in a lake, it's probably dirty lake water. If you do it in a pool, you'll get chlorine poisoning. And the lion dresses him in new clothes. Last week, David, David Lindner mentioned that people like to corner Jesus. They like to ask him a question in order to trap him. And usually, Jesus does this great thing where he deviates from the question and slams the answer like a gong. And the answer resounds as that person that originally asked the question walks away. But they're not defeated. They're changed. And so Peter's brought back into the fold and is given new direction to grow out. And then he asks, oh, Jesus, what about this guy? What's going to happen to him? And immediately, after this amazing moment of forgiveness and vision, he is right back to where he started. Come on, man. Grow up. But in a very Aslan-like fashion, Jesus says, that is not your story. Follow me. In one of her books, and this is in the worship guide today, Flannery O'Connor writes, anybody that has survived his childhood has enough information to last him the rest of his days. Isn't that so true? But I think we can modify this today. Anybody that has survived the gospel has enough of it to last him until tomorrow 
and then he'll get some more. So my friends, go, leave today, play games, eat lunch, be outside, swim, whatever you're going to do, forget about growing up. Instead, plant your roots in the gospel and grow out. Pray with me. Jesus, we are somewhat at a loss. It is easy to say that we have hope. Our tongues slide over it. We exchange it for cheap currency that pays for our own strength and resilience. Too often we end up bankrupt. Please, let sunlight shine out all the things around us so we can no longer despair. Pay for the debt we cannot pay. I believe. Forgive my disbelief. 